everyone, John Wertheim here. It's this week's Sports Illustrated Tennis Podcast. Our guest this week is Sonia Kenyon. You probably know her from such previous works as 2020 Australian Open, my first major. Um, Sonia Kenyon is a few weeks removed from winning the first major of the decade. She was terrific at the Australian Open, winning seven matches, uh, beating Muguruza in the final, and the number one player in the world, Ash Barty, before that, in winning her first major. Um, and she ain't done. She uh, is clearly, as you will see in this conversation, ready for more. Uh, this is a fun conversation with a business-like player who is now in the top 10 and now has really arrived. So here from Florida is Sonia Kennan. A little late. Congratulations again. Thank you. Thank you. Was it everything you imagined? Yeah, for sure. It was, uh, it was incredible. It was the best feeling I could ever ask for. You, I mean, it, it sounds like uh, it sounds like a cliche, but every, every player dreams of these things. Did it did it replicate yeah, your yeah. dream? I mean, was it like what you dreamt about? Yeah, this is exactly what I was dreaming about. I um, I was always picturing, you know, what would it be if I would win a Grand Slam, and it was better than what I dreamed about. It was just, it was so amazing. I loved every experience. Two weeks have been best two weeks of my life. I love that you just used the past tense. You're, it's, it's, it sounds like you're, are, are you done celebrating or is there still some glow? Um, I don't know. We're, obviously, this is something that's never going to be forgotten. It's always going to, um, you know, we're never going to forget this, but I'm leaving for Dubai tomorrow. So I got to somehow get ready for that. You know, I just played Fed Cup and, you know, started off strong. Uh, we had a little hurdle in the second day, but then we managed to come back strong and take the win. And um, so, yeah, I feel like after that, you know, I've been kind of like, you know, lock, you know, just forget about what happened and just move forward. But, um, of course, this is something you're never going to forget. I, it strikes me that one thing that's weird about tennis is that everyone's gone by the time you play the final, right? I mean, you, most sports, uh, you know, you, you go back in the locker room after you win is, is full of people wishing you well and teammates. In tennis, you know, 126 players have already left town. What, what yeah. was it like? So, what what was it like when you got to Fed Cup and it was the first time you were seeing your colleagues? But now you're a Grand Slam champion. What what was it like when you arrived in Washington? Um, I was super excited. I had uh, Ali texting me saying, uh, "Congratulations! Can't wait to see you." Bethany was texting me. Um, it was uh, super exciting. I got there. Everyone was so welcoming. You know, Serena congratulated me, and you know she's such an idol and icon to me. And um, yeah, she was so happy for me. And Coco, Coco Golf also congratulated me. And everyone congratulated me. It was such a positive atmosphere, and everyone was just super excited to see me there. And yeah, I mean, uh, all the the doctor that was there, um, physios, the trainers. So um, it was uh, everything was a was a welcoming environment. Everyone was super happy to see me, and of course, Catherine Aldi was uh, even more excited. You know, I've she's known me since I was five, and uh, Lisa Raymond as well. I mean, everyone was uh, everyone was super happy for me and super excited. Looking looking back, how, how do you think you did it? How'd you, how'd you win the, fourteen sets? The win? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, um, I, I mean this as a compliment. Um, I I don't know. I, I think I've seen you play be- like I don't know if you played your best tennis. Would you Would you agree with that? Um, during it, I mean, I feel like uh, beginning of it was just to somehow get through it. You know, mm-hmm. I know I was playing a qualifier and she had already three matches under her belt and she's already used to the courts and everything. But um, I just knew I needed to somehow just pace myself and play. You know, just try to be calm. You know, because first matches at Grand Slams are never easy. It's obviously nerves. 
Um, but I feel like as matches went, you know, I started uh, playing. I felt like I was playing a lot better and I started getting more confident and more comfortable. And of course, when I was getting closer to the finish line, there was a bit of nerves showing, but I try to do my best to manage it. And um, yeah, just take one step at a time and try not to overlook things and, you know, think about, you know, getting the titles, you know. Um, but I think I did a great job. I think it was very, it was a big uh, mental part for me. Those, you know, two weeks, it's not easy to keep it, you know, your head in place and you're getting a day off, but you still cannot completely relax because, you know, you got to get ready for the next match. And um, I think preparation-wise and tactic-wise, I did a really good job and I handled everything well. And, of course, there was a bit of pressure um, as each match is went, you know, closer to the finish line, but I try to handle it in the best way I can. I still, I feel like everyone is still trying to figure out what makes you compete so well. And late in that second set of the final, when you just decided you weren't going to miss balls. Um, yeah, I remember. The, uh, I mean, there was that, that one, the, the one game just seemed to break your opponent's spirit. Do, do you um, do? Yeah, I remember. It, it was, um, no, I mean, the, the match was right there for the taking and you took it. I mean, I, th- I think that sort of characterizes not just that match and not just the seven wins in Melbourne, but that that's kind of your MO these days is you just know how to win. Is, is there anything you do for that? I mean, is there any sort of training that doesn't have to do with striking the ball but just has to do with playing your best when it matters the most? Um, well, I'm very competitive. I never give up. So that's something that I've always had since I, was a, since I started playing. And yeah, I mean, that's something that I don't really think you can really train train that. I think you can just work and build up on that. And I feel like through my career, I've built up on that and trying to play the best tennis um, at the at the important moments. And yeah, like you said, uh, first set, just things didn't go my way against Margarita. And of course, she was playing really well. She had some really great points. And, you know, I just didn't take some opportunities. But um when I came back, I was ready to, you know, I was ready to fight and I wasn't going to give up. And yeah, second set, I felt like the 2-1 game, you know, once it was 3-1, I, I got in the lead and I started getting more comfortable. And then in the third set, that 2 all game, I, everyone's like talking about it. But I played some five really crucial points. Um, I had to, I really had to work each point though. She, she didn't give it to me. She got so many balls back. I was down last in that game. And um, once I broke 3-2, I felt the momentum really changed for me and yeah, it was, uh, it was a really tough match, but like I said, I'm fierce, I'm competitive, I hate losing, and I, I love the game, I love to win, and um, I wasn't going to give up, and yeah, I'm just glad that things worked out for me. What would you tell someone about winning their first major? I mean, what, what's something about this whole experience you, you wish you knew or that you would want to impart on, on the next player who wins a major for the very first time? Oh, I would tell them just to enjoy every every moment. This, is, this doesn't happen so often it's so hard to win it um it's it's uh just enjoy take every moment um and just enjoy it that i would say that's the most important thing and then just obviously once you win it it's let all your emotions out i guess because i'm sure there's a lot build, building up to that point and uh yeah just uh i guess get you're obviously going to get a bit spoiled after that it's going to be just a lot of excitement so um yeah i would just say just take each day step by step and don't don't look ahead and just um Bring your best game whenever you need it. How did you get your emotions out? Um, well, actually, each match it was a bit more and more. You know, first mm-hmm. round, I, you know, once I got through it, I there was not really any emotions. I was just happy to get through it. And second round, it started 
building up. Second, I didn't show with Quad. I was obviously happy. Then third round against uh, Shuai Zhang, it, a lot of emotions happened. Um, and then, obviously, throughout each match, it was more and more. So um, I just felt like I'm, you know, playing each match, and I felt like I'm getting so close, you know, to the title, you know. But I obviously didn't want to look at, look at it like, oh, I'm going to... Right, in the finals, right. you know, when I was in the third round, it's really hard to think about that. But obviously, once I started, when I played in the fourth round against Coco, when I won, it was a lot of emotions because I was in my first quarterfinal of a Grand Slam ever. So it was super exciting. And then, um, yeah, against Jabera, it was more emotions and then semis and then finals. I mean, just emotions build up as as each uh, as each round went. It's funny. I don't know if you remember this. I interviewed you on the court after you won your first round match against uh, Ann Lee. Shout, shout out to the Philadelphia suburbs and, and Lee from. Uh, I remember, yeah. But, I but remember. you were like, you, you weren't super thrilled, and you seemed a little nervous, and you sort of you said exactly what you just said, which is I was just happy to get through that, and she was already had played some matches, so I had to sort yeah. of feel her out. You you were much, and I talked to you after you won, I think the semis, and you were much more relaxed after winning your semifinal match at a major, playing for your first final, than you were after winning in the first round. I think. Uh, I mean, um. Second round against Ellie was second. Yeah, yeah, second um, round. Yeah. I mean, it, it was it was uh, it was windy. It was uh, tough conditions for me, so I didn't feel like I played my best tennis. But I was, of course, really happy to get through that one. It's uh, it's not easy when you're not able to play the way you want to play, and plus it's windy, and plus I was playing a um, a young opponent, you know, who just uh, had four matches under her belt. So um, I was obviously different nerves and different pressure coming from my side. But then, um, yeah, of course, I mean, it's different after you know talking to you after the second round or. Uh, talking to you after the semifinals, playing uh, first time, you know, my finals of a Grand Slam. So, and I just felt like the matches built up, and I played better, and I found my found my game, and just got a lot of confidence. So that's why uh, I was a bit more excited. I think after talking to you after the semis, uh, I I feel like casual fans, especially, sort of we we characterize tennis players like there's like a one sentence definition, right? So it's like the Williams sister used to be oh the the sisters with you know the the sisters from Los Angeles with with the father and another player you know she she used to be a bad trainer and now she got into shape and you know Rafa Nadal is the crazy kid from the Spanish island with the parachute you know with the pirate pants i i feel like until we know players better there's a very simple we sort of have this simple shorthand and yours yours seems to me to be the kid who when she was little got to play with all the uh with with all the celebrities, you're you're sort of uh, the the one sentence is you know we we've all seen you with with Andy Roddick and Kleisters and, and Kornikova. Uh, yeah. A, a A are you comfortable with that? And and B what what else should people know about you? Um yeah I'm comfortable with that. I obviously haven't thought about what people should uh, think of me as, but yeah I mean I'm everyone knows about everyone knows about that. Right. You know the videos with Kim and Andy um, with right. Kornikova. So. Um, and I guess people should know that um, I'm very fierce. I think that's just that should sum it up. Um, I never give up. I'm gonna fight, and if you're gonna if you're gonna win, you're really gonna have to play some really good tennis to beat me. And other than that, I love winning. I love I love this game, and uh, this is everything to me. Well, I love hearing a player say that. That's it, it, t- tell me if I'm wrong here, but but I also get the feeling that you're okay being a little more famous. You're, you're okay with some of the added responsibilities that, that you seem to know are going to come your way now that you've won a major. You're, you're sort of ready for this. Am I, 
Did, did you buy uh, that? Yeah, I was I was kind of born ready. I really wanted to get to this position. Um, obviously, it's more responsibility. More responsibilities. You know, people know about me, and people are probably obviously right now expecting me to you know to keep doing well, which obviously I, I want to keep doing. And regardless of what happened, I would have still kept doing that. But I mean, obviously, more responsibilities, like I said. But I feel like during Fed Cup, um, you know, coming after Australia, you know, I had a long flight and wasn't easy to adjust to the time zone and I was put first match to play on Friday. So I feel like I handled that well, you know, I, I felt like I knew, you know, I knew that I just won and I knew I wanted to just keep the momentum going and just to start up strong. And yeah, I played some really good tennis and everyone was just uh, really happy and they were just really happy to see that. Um, I, I would love to ask him this personally, but I, I imagine your, your father must just be over the moon. He's super excited and super proud. Yes. <laughs> And, and we also saw Dinara Safina in your uh, in, in your section as well. What, what's uh, yes? I don't I don't know. I, I it occurs to me I don't know the answer to this. What what's 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 your relationship with her? Um, everyone's asked her there, and everyone's asked me there. Um, it's funny. The I mean, it's nothing. Uh, there's nothing going on. We're just uh, we're good friends. We text and everything, and she was there, and I asked her if she wanted to come and support me, and. Um, just she's just a friend and she just came to support me and I knew that she has a lot of experience and uh she gave me some good tips before the matches you know try to just give me from her experience so um but other than that it's uh it's nothing um, there's nothing to we're just friends and she just came to support me and I was really happy that she was there and um yeah just really happy for that did re- reassure me you, you you were right right away to fed cup now you're going to dubai it sounds like you're still very hungry Could, re- reassure me you, you you celebrated a little bit yeah, we celebrated right after the match. We went to uh, some ball like at two thirty, you know, with my dad and um, and my agent Ugo. And so yeah, I mean, we just celebrated and yeah, I mean, I treat myself a little bit also after when I came back home. So yeah, I mean, uh, celebrations are are always going to be there. Memories are always going to be there. Nothing's going to change. No one can ever take that away. You know, take that away from me or from us. But um, right now, I mean, I'm getting ready for Dubai. I just came off. Great week, uh, great few days in Fed Cup. We got the win, so super excited and just excited to keep going forward for this year and 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 just forward. And I I don't know if uh, you could t- t- talk about to what extent this is a priority, but this this win certainly puts you in very good shape to go to Tokyo for the 2020 Olympics this summer. Yes, yes. I um, obviously had my eye on that this year. I. I said it in my press, you know, my goal for this year is try to get it to Tokyo, which would be an honor just to play in the Olympics and hopefully Shenzhen. And yeah, I tried not to think about that when I was playing in Australia. I tried to just take it one, one step at a time. But after I was told um, that it's, it can get me in for Tokyo. So I think it's great. It's super exciting. And um, I mean, it's just still a lot of terms before Tokyo to, you know, coming up. But I'm super excited for it. You like this feeling? The reigning, the, the reigning, uh, the, the you're the reigning Grand Slam champion. You, uh, I, I get the feeling you, you, you like this. You like this status. Yeah, of course. It's, uh, it's amazing. I've worked, and this is, uh, there's no better tournament to win in a Grand Slam. It's, you know, four tournaments a year. It's very prestigious, and um, this is something that I've always wanted to win. I always wanted, you know, to, you know, have my name on the beautiful trophy. So it's, a, it's just an honor, and it's, uh, you know, forever going to be there. So. Um, of course, it's, uh, it's a Grand Slam. Like I said, there's nothing better to win than a Grand Slam, and it's just an honor. I got to say, though, I, I love the fact that you're already back to work. 
that you're not at, you're not at South Beach, uh, you know, drinking out of your trophy at, at four in the morning. <laughs> sounds, sounds like you're uh, you're you're back to work to go win another one of these. Yes, yes, I'm back to work. Uh, this is not an end for me. Of course, going to try to move forward, but um, yeah, I mean, I work, I'm working hard. I'm, this is, like I said, not the end. I'm going to keep going forward and try to have many more great results for my upcoming tournaments. Great attitude. Um, thanks. This was uh, it's always a pleasure talking, but um, always a pleasure. Thank first, you. First time as a major champion, so congrats on that. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, Sonia. Take care. Thank you. Take care. Bye bye. All right, thanks to Sonia Kennan for stopping by. And um, thanks, Jamie. I'll bring you in, our outstanding producer, Jamie Lasanti. Uh, Jamie Lasanti, we spoke with Sonia Kennan, I don't know, maybe nine months ago? Wasn't that long ago. Not that long ago. Uh, she was an ambitious upstart. Very pleasant uh, person to talk to. But she was not a major champion. Now I think she's really redefined herself. And I, I feel like her ambition has not been blunted. If anything, it's it's kind of been sharpened. But she did seem to say, nobody can take this away from me. I was looking at the WTA website. Um, Kenan proved them wrong, which seems to be sort of a, an MO that uh, the obligatory reference to the doubters who are out there. I, I don't know if that really exists with her. I, I just think she's a player who doesn't necessarily have big weapons and she's not going to serve anyone off the court and she's not 15 years old and she's not 38 years old, but she's a really, really good tennis player and just as important, a really, really good fighter. And now she's the reigning Grand Slam champion. Yeah, it's it's pretty incredible. We didn't, we talked about it, but we, uh, the last time she was on the podcast was May 2019. So, okay. I mean, not that long ago, you know, but when we talked with her, one of the first things that we mentioned or, or that you, you said to her was the headline from 2017, junior champion Sofia Kennan to play Maria Sharapova. And I think we had a a lengthy conversation with her about her oh, right, US right, right, Open right, 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 third right. round match against Sharapova, her idol, right? And we, we you know, had all everything from her having a Russian background and all these parallels to Sharapova and how it was amazing to be on that stage playing her idol. And, uh, you know, she was number 37 at the time. So fast forward to now, and it's such an incredible uh, thing to think about how so much has changed. And um, just hearing her talk, she's so matter-of-fact. She's all business, and she's just like, I want a major. Here I am. You know, I had a little celebration, but moving on to the next thing. It's, she never doubted it, and I think she really uh, enjoys the competition, the, uh, you know, competitive nature of everything, the... the, the totally. You, I you mean, heard what, yeah, you it. heard what she said about other... The other girls are going to have to know. They're going to have to work really hard to beat me. Good for you. Um, I, I think you're totally right. I mean, I'm just thinking, man, this, this sport, you know, nine months ago, uh, the big storyline is... You, you once played your idol, Maria Sharapova, and now you're a top 10 player who's won a major and you're going to the Olympics. I I also think she is a really, really good mix of business-like. You know, she's not... I mean, there, there have been players who have won majors and they are still celebrating today. I mean, sort of mission accomplished and now I can check that box and go live happily ever after. That is not, you know, that's not Sonia Kennan. Um, but she's also... She's cool like she's accessible she's uh i think she wants to be out there i think she's i mean i she didn't really bite when i asked her that but you know she's 
happy to jump on a call and do a podcast early in the morning uh, when she doesn't have to. Right. Um, I don't think she minds being out there. And I don't think she minds this blast of celebrity that's going to come. A lot of players really shy from that. Look, I just signed up to be a tennis player and hit balls and win matches. I don't want to have to deal with everything else that comes. I think she's really ready to step up her profile. But I also don't think she's seeking that out. Right. I think there's right. a you know a difference there. Um, I think she's it's just part of her personality. She's she's feisty. She's she's fighting for what she wants, and she's you know she's willing to do what it takes. And she knows that that is part of it. And I think she's willing to do it. And she's she's kind of like yeah. Again, she's it's part it's part of the it's part of the business. It's part of the game. She's willing to do it all. And I think it's all. She's ready to be number one, and she wants to be number one. And that- I think that's a really healthy mix of, on the one hand, she's very ambitious and is not embarrassed about that. She doesn't hold back on expressing her ambition. But she also sort of understands that there's more to this job than, than just winning matches. So she's not going to suddenly pivot and become an Instagram star and seek, uh, seek out Sports Illustrated personnel asking about... Uh, Super Bowl parties and swimsuit issues, but the flip side is that, you know, she also realizes that, yeah, there are going to be some additional pressures, and and I'm ready for that. Um, I also, I mean, I get the feeling she's sick of talking about it, but I I really think there's something there. I don't know if you saw this. So she we played that video um, with Andy Roddick when she's five years old, and she's telling Tennis Channel she knows how to return Andy Roddick's serve. Um, And now there are others, you know, she's with Kim Kleisters, and she's Kleisters was braiding her hair and she's meeting Anna Kornikova and it's kind of become um, this talking point that she not not unreasonably seems to have gotten tired of. But I do think there's something to that, that when you're a kid and you see these players and interact with these players and they're not just people you see on YouTube or they're not just what my generation would say, posters hanging on your wall, kids still... Kids still do posters, sidebar? I think. Is that still a thing? I mean, I um, don't. Know. I don't you but. don't. Well. <laughs> Um, but point being, when you actually have interactions with these athletes, what does Billie Jean King say? Uh, you know, you, you have to, you see it to be it. I think that really there's something there. I mean, I think, uh, when we talked about this with Robbie Koenig and, and Roger Federer going to South Africa. I think seeing athletes up close in person really does something to kids. I think it's a really formative experience. I think it's one reason why all of these tournaments leaving the United States have a really harmful effect on American tennis. It's not just that the stars don't come from here, but it's when the action isn't here, when you can't be a ball kid, when you can't be you know, asking for autographs outside the practice courts. I think that has a really harmful effect. The flip side is when you do have these interactions like Sonia Kennan did, it's a big deal when you're six years old and you're deciding what sport to play. Um, Definitely. I mean, you have to see, like, as you said, see it to believe it. But there's also something I think, uh, you know, about the videos you talk about with Kenan is that she saw these these players and she, you know, had to just interact with them as normal as she would with anyone else she came across at a young age. So now it seems like that could play into her having this kind of nonchalant attitude about, yeah, I want a major. Just like, you know, maybe she was a little kid. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm, you know, getting my hair braided by a, a you know, a grand Kim slam. Kleister, yeah, who, so. who I now could in theory play against uh, <laughs> one of these days. Well, that's just, tennis. um, I, I mean, I also feel like tennis bill and maybe this is sports in general sort of builds in these, these scripts and these storylines. 
So it's all about great Sophia Kennan's climbing the ladder, but can she make a dent in a major? And she beat Serena Williams at the French Open. That was pretty good. And now here she is eight months later, and she's winning the Australian Open. She's a major champion. Her name is going to be on that wall. I don't know if you saw the board when players walk out to the court and you walk by Martina Navratilova and Steffi and Monica Seles and Federer Nadal. Sonia Kennan's name is, is going to be there. Um, but tennis builds in these this script, builds in this talking point. It's almost like WWE. So the next stage is going to become... A, will she have a target on her back? So now she's the player to be beaten. How will she respond to that? And B, um, can she avoid the dreaded fate of the one-hit wonder? And the next challenge is I'm I'm not an Ostapenko. I'm not one of these one-offs. And can she stay healthy? And can she stay healthy? I think we've yeah. seen that with um, you know That's a good point. maybe not necessarily major winners, but younger players who have quickly come up and you know won well, titles and there's a U.S. Open champion who did not post for uh, for Australia. Exactly. Um, I think that's a really good point. Um, what is her level of? I mean, I I do think that she might benefit from having the game she has in the health department. That um, she is not someone that's. You know, lumbering around the court, she's not someone who, you know, has one of those delicate physiques. Um, but I think that I think that's an interesting point too. How will she keep herself healthy? And there are going to be opportunities to play exhibitions now. And they're going to make she play doubles right. in Australia. Is she going to keep playing doubles? And we talk about this across the board. But when you start winning, you're playing more matches. Your tournaments are longer. Your stays in all of these places extend, you know, mm-hmm. beyond what you're used to, perhaps. Uh, you know, you're staying into the second week or you're, you're, you know, staying through the weekend. And all of a sudden, that affects your schedule when that happens over the course of two, three, four, five, six weeks. So, um, you know, it's, it's something just to think about in terms of managing the overall the health. And, I mean, she's, you know, flying to Dubai. And then where is she going next? And how is that all playing into how she how her body's recovering? I feel like we don't talk about that enough. I mean, I've going going to Australia and I have to go to Japan in a few days and I am wrecked. I mean, my my sleep is all messed up. My I mean, it's just I don't feel like myself. When you hear that Nadal, and yeah, I mean, he's probably flying candidly, he's probably flying in luxury and staying, he's no he's not staying at uh, the Ramada Inn. Um but when Nadal is going from the Australian Open to the Middle East to play an exhibition, to South Africa, then back to Mallorca. I mean, that takes a toll on anyone, and I feel like we don't talk about that enough, that just the sheer rigors of travel, that even, you know, Sonia Kennan is flying, whatever whatever the time, I think it's 12-hour time difference or 20 hours. The She's getting from Melbourne to the Seattle suburbs to Florida to Dubai and not to mention, on top of that, she's carrying an emotional weight, not in a bad way, but, you know, we, we talk about, oh, you know, if something yeah, right, bad right, happens right. or you're, you're, you know, you suffer a loss, whatever Great it is. Point. But this this Great is an point. emotional thing for her. And it's something that, you know, she's going to wake up in the morning and, and still feel that. I mean, it's it's a happy it's a happy toll. But uh, it no, it's a huge still... like marker in her this transformational moment in her life yeah and you're, that's a really good point and you're dealing with the emotions of that and in this case uh you know her, her, her father involved and there is a there's a financial 
you know, yeah. there's a financial consequence to all this. I mean, there's a lot going on apart from jet lag and travel and security lines. And I, th- I think sometimes we, you know, when we hear that a player is sick or when we hear, you know, Dominic Team is has this cold, he's having a hard time shaking. Um, anyone that's traveled internationally can, uh, and then and then tried to go back to work soon thereafter uh, can probably relate to that. But, um, no, I think, um, you know, if, if you'd said before the tournament, Novak Djokovic is going to win number eight. I think most people would say, yeah, it sounds about right. And if you'd said Sonia Kennan's going to win number one on the women's side, people would say, what? And then you'd say, I don't know. Why Why not? I mean, she she knows how to win. She only had to play no, She only had to play one. I was looking at her draw. You know, she only had to play one seeded player. But that's a little misleading because in that was – Coco Goff coming off a defeat of the defending champion and a lot in that match. I mean, they're both from South Florida, Kennan and Goff, and nobody wants to lose to the 15-year-old. Um, and then she played Ons Jabur, sort of a, a, a tricky opponent, but candidly not not the worst quarterfinal opponent in the major. Then she had to play Ash Barty, who not only was the number one ranked player in the world, number one seed, but also was the hometown favorite. Exactly. And then with everything on the line, she had to play a player who's considerably older who had two majors right. in Mugu. So, um, and it was interesting to hear her talk about, you know, she went through the different ebbs and flows of the match and how she said, uh, you know, she gave all the credit to Mugurutha that, that she could, you know, but she kind of said that that she never, she never explained that she was, like, you know, nervous or that across the net that person was right. – you know, she was unflappable in that situation. You could even tell when she was recounting it. She was just kind of like, yeah. And when I went down and when it was this, I did, <laughs> yeah, I did this. Exactly. And she was just like. Did you hear uh, cor- correct me when I when I, I said second round instead of first? And she <laughs> knew right away what round uh, we had spoken. Um, yeah, she's she's all. I, I would say she's all business. But, but I feel like there's also a part of her that sort of. Bring it on. I'll do your interviews. Bring it on. I'll endorse your product. I mean, I, I feel like there's a very nice balance here, again, between someone who is nakedly ambitious in, in the best possible way, but also kind of doesn't mind the celebrity and the stardom that she doesn't crave it. She's not going to go after it. But if it comes her way, she's she's all right. You know, there, there are a lot of players who I get the feeling wouldn't be thrilled to do an off-season early morning podcast, uh, you know, Two weeks after they won a major. So anyway, um, yay. Takeaway, yay Sophia Kennan. <laughs> you think she um, think she sticks with Fila for the rest of the year? I don't know. I think there are going to be a lot of sort of interesting um, – I think there are going to be a lot of interesting offers that come her way. And, you know, I mean, I she's she's 21 years old. She's in the top 10. Um coached by her father which which is interesting another validation you know I, th- I think a lot of people in tennis at least when I was starting would sort of roll their eyes when the parents would be the coaches and the track record honestly wasn't great I mean Chris Everett is the example it's pointed to but Chris Everett's father knew what he was talking I mean Chris Everett's father was a bonafide tennis coach um I, I think sometimes there's skepticism when parents are the coaches but I think more and more you're seeing some real success there and Maybe Alex Kennan uh, was not, you know, you, you look up his, his ATP history and there may not be much there, but he clearly knows how to motivate his daughter. And that can go a long way, as we've seen yet again. I mean, I, I think maybe 
small sample size, but we saw Carolyn Wozniacki. What did she say when she retired from tennis? I'm happy I, I stuck with my father as my coach. Right. I, I think um, more and more supporting evidence there. you you got to travel the world and be on court with someone who understands what makes you tick and uh, chalk another one up for the for the family coaching connection. Yeah. And uh, we, I mean, we talked about this with Naomi Osaka, but the the sponsorships and, like you said, a lot of offers coming her way is just yet another thing that she's going to have to turn around and digest as she comes off this major. So it'll be really interesting to see how she, uh, you know, fares this spring. Um, yeah, exactly. And I, I do think uh, in some ways Australia is probably the best for that, that it's, you know, feels like a, a galaxy a galaxy far away and the, the tour picks up again um, if if we're talking about sort of giving yourself some time to adjust to this new reality Australia I suspect is probably the best the best tournament for that but no it'll be interesting to see where Sonia Kenyon goes from here and she'll show up at Indian Wells and she'll walk into that oh, exactly. locker room for the first I mean again I, I it's, it's funny with tennis I mean you win a major and you walk into that locker room and sometimes it's it's you and a couple of mixed doubles players and some juniors. It's I mean, it's a very strange thing where everyone has left town. So when you get to that first, that next event, that's when you get a lot of the, the back, you know, the the pass yeah, on the you back. You can't hide at that point. Exactly. Uh, you probably could get away with it a little bit before, but right. That's that's when uh, not on you day one. Meet your peers. Um. All right. So thank you to Sonia Kennan. Thank you to Jamie. Thanks, uh, thanks everyone to listening. That will uh, that will do it for this week. Um, again, subscribe, leave a review, get this podcast wherever fine podcasts are sold. Uh, we'll have another one in seven days. That will do it for this week. I'm John Wertheim. She's Jamie Lasanti. Thanks for listening. <laughs>